are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5GUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode 418 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack. It's our deep dive episode and tonight we have an interview with three of the major participants in the ARDC or Amateur Radio Digital Communications and uh, we'll introduce them here really shortly and get into what we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I will introduce the quasi-absent Bill, NE4RD, who is somewhere in the wilds of South Dakota trying to find Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And uh, normally Bill, Bill's dulcet tones would come in there, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to do without him for today, uh, unless he finds some Wi-Fi. Apparently there's just not a lot of uh, great propagation or um, a Denny's close by wherever he's at. So anyway, let's go ahead and move in and talk about the ARDC, and we'll introduce the folks who are with us tonight. The first person we have is the executive director of ARDC. She is Rosie Wolf, Kilo, 7 Juliet, Romeo, Yankee, Victor. Good evening. Hello and good evening. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Rosie Wolf, and uh, I come to ARDC. I've been with ARDC for about a year now, which is kind of amazing. It's been uh, it's gone by very quickly. I come from a background in uh, nonprofit management, curriculum development, um, a lot of work in the open source world, some work in like open source mapping and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I was uh, uh, a few years ago, um, right when ARDC got our uh, grant, our, our our endowment for grant making. Um, our founder uh, Brian Cantor passed away, and one of the board members tapped me to um, help out the organization in a moment of need. So um, I accepted. So I'm here and helping ARDC to uh, get started, get a lot of its administrative. Um, uh, 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 foundations laid, um, starting in no small part by, uh, hiring some really amazing people, including John Hayes and Dan Romanchik, who are both on this call. All right. Fantastic. We'll get more into that as we go along, I'm sure, but let's mm -hmm. go ahead and bring in the other guys here. We have John Hayes, Kilo 7 Victor Echo, who is the chair of Grants Advisory Committee, the GAC. We, we like to pronounce our, uh, our acronyms here, <laughs> um, because it's silly. And uh, John was actually on the show talking about, I believe it was Western Digital Radio or something like that, um, way back in 2012. But welcome back to the show, John. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. And, uh, you know, this real quick uh, comeback is is really valuable to me and important. Uh, just my background, um, I've been associated with the Ampernet um, basically from the beginning. I was uh, um, the address coordinator in, in several areas around the country as I moved around a little bit. And for the last 13 or 14 years, I've been doing that uh, here in the western Washington area. Brian approached me uh, shortly before he's passing uh, to come on and and head up the uh, grants committee and um, 
then we unfortunately lost him and it was a few months later that we reconstituted it about the time uh, Rosie came on board and I've been uh, leading that uh, group since then as the the chair and uh, I, my background is uh, I'm a long time uh, software guy open source Linux uh, but I'm also ambidextrous and, and use proprietary systems as well. I uh, was a uh, senior executive uh, in IT for the last, oh, 15 years or more. And uh, now I'm uh, living uh, near the Puget Sound in western Washington and devoting much of my time as a volunteer for the ARDC and really looking forward to some exciting things going on. Uh, we've uh, given a lot of money away uh, uh, in the form of grants, and we're planning to continue to do that for many years. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for the update there. And I said Western Digital Radio. It was Northwest Digital Radio. And I don't know if you're still affiliated with that group or not, but <laughs> that was that was some years ago. Um, and finally, we have the content manager. Uh, apparently recently acquired content manager for what we understand for ARDC is Dan Romantic, KB6NU, whom you might know for another reason. So uh, tell us about the ARDC and your involvement and also the other thing that you do that other people might know your call sign for. Yeah, so people might know me from my uh, blog and or my study guides. And uh, I've just recently joined the ARDC because it's uh, just a really exciting group. All right. Very cool. Short and sweet, which is which is what we don't like here. We want we want verbose. <laughs> well, sorry about that. <laughs> you got you got to take up some time, so it sounds like we we're doing something here. Well, I, I don't like to uh, brag about myself too much. All right, fair enough. But you're so you're so good. You totally should brag about yourself. Come on. Well, thanks, but Dan is the reason why I actually got my license twice. Yeah, so. I was just going to say that Cheryl is one of my uh, one of my readers and uh, one of my success stories. Yes, there you go. See, it's all one big happy family here. But tonight we we're going to talk about the ARDC Amateur Radio Digital Communications, and so I guess uh, Rosie, you're the executive director, so you're you're like right at the top of the heap in this organization. So I imagine you'll probably be doing a, a fair share of the talking. Uh, if, if there's anything or any part of this interview that you want to delegate to uh, the other gentlemen who are here, we'll, we'll just go ahead and let you do that. But I'm going to sort of address you uh, when it comes to the major topics. And the first one we have is, uh, so just tell us a little bit about what the ARDC is and what its mission is, and then we'll kind of go on from there. All right, cool. Well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, good call on the, de the delegation part. Um, I'm happy for uh, for both John and Dan to speak to speak to certain things. Um, one thing that I should be pretty upfront about is that you know when it comes to technical things, uh, I'm a pretty slow learner, and so you know I have my amateur radio license, obviously, um, but you know I definitely rely on uh, on those two and a lot of other folks at ARDC to sort of like help explain things when they're uh, a little bit above my pay grade. So um, Amateur Radio Digital Communications is a nonprofit. Um, as of this year, we became a private foundation. Uh, it got started, I believe, back in 2012 uh, to be a sort of like nonprofit house for the 44Net uh, address space. And for many years, it, you know, oh, sorry, I, it's going to take me a minute to get used to murmurs. 
uh, or uh, excuse me, this uh, audio platforms uh, messages in the sidebar. Sorry about that. So, you know, for a while it was formed as a nonprofit to just sort of like manage the allocation of these address of the 44 net address space, which was, you know, primarily designed, for, uh, primarily allocated to amateur radio usage, amateur radio packet usage, um, or as some people say to, you know, connect amateur radio with uh, the internet community. And for many years, it that's basically all that it did. And uh, back in 2019, uh, the board of directors decided to you know, sell a quarter of the address space, and that became basically the equivalent of an endowment. Um, and that endowment is used to you know, further the mission of everything related to amateur radio and digital communications. So what ARGC does is we really, you know, I will say the first couple of years have really been very experimental and we are like sort of like refining our our operation and our direction as we go and as we learn more and more about you know what are some of the 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 biggest needs in amateur radio and digital communications um but yeah what we do is we make grants in those areas so you know in the past you know 2 years we have given away in excess of about you know 6 million dollars um, some of which went to, you know, helping the, uh, the radome at MIT be restored after, um, it was slated for removal, uh, because the, the building that it was on was going to be restored and there wasn't quite budget to help, um, uh, maintain that piece of equipment. So we've done stuff like that. We've funded, um, educational projects like the Julia Robinson Mathematics Festival, which is now putting together a series of, um, uh, you know, mathematics, um, uh, like, what are they called? Mathematics, like games, basically, that are all related to digital communications. So, you know, the kids can learn about things like, you know, how radio waves work and, you know, the math associated with that kind of thing. Um, and then last, but of course, you know, but certainly not least, you know, we fund things like, uh, you know, related to, you know, we just put out this RFP specifically for amateur radio clubs. So, you know, calling for amateur radio clubs to send us a proposal for a project that, you know, might be able to uh, send us a proposal for a project that, you know, might help them to, um, you know, do something that they've always wanted to do, but that they weren't able to do because, you know, funding was something that was amiss. So, um, you know, for example, we gave some uh, we gave some funding to the Chippewa Valley Amateur Radio Club to purchase a trailer that they would use to basically put a bunch of emergency equipment in that they could use in the event of, you know, a disaster um, and that they could also bring to schools for like educational opportunities. So, yeah, that's the primary thing that we do. Um, and, you know, you say you mentioned something about like Rosie sitting on top of a giant heap. And, you know, I will say that I, I up until very recently, as we've like gained more staff, that's kind of felt like it was true. Um, I think that the we we didn't quite, you know, we had this idea of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it'll be a very like, simple thing to, you know, like, uh, do a lot of this grant making. But of course, a lot of the, you know, the regulations and paperwork that's required is, um, is a lot. So anyway, um, glad that we have staff and very glad that we're able to um, use this fund to support this community. It feels really good. All right. Very good. Um... So I guess my next question would be, do you fund amateur radio podcasts? <laughs> I mean, it's not outside of our mission. I mean, I think that so, you know, I mean, the answer is, yeah. Um, ultimately, you know, what we've been working on over the past year or so has been creating the administrative framework to be give to give beyond 501c3s. Um, and, you know, some of that is still in the works. We recently, just as of this year, made our first international grant to the 
Deutsche Amateur Radio Club in, in Germany. So, um, you know, our interest is really to be able to give to as many different types of organizations with within the the area of amateur radio um, and digital communications and podcasts certainly fall fall into it. I mean, you make our life a whole lot easier and give yourself a whole lot less paperwork if you have a 501c3 to be your fiscal sponsor and run the project through. Um, but yeah, we're, we are definitely working on giving to all types of organizations. So yeah. And podcasts are great, actually. Like y'all have such an important role in within this community. Like getting the word out about what we do is like super important. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, Dan or uh, John might actually have some things to say about that too. Maybe thinking John, since he's the head of the grants advisory committee. Sure. Um, so um, as Rosie said, there's a lot of different things that we uh, do grants for and uh, certainly podcasts uh, with the caveat that, uh, uh, as she mentioned right now, we primarily are looking for organizations that fall into 501c3 or equivalent um, for us to um, send the money to, and then they can uh, disperse it to the recipient uh, in a uh, orderly fashion. So we're not in, involved in the day-to-day -day operation of that. Um, some of the other key things that we've been doing with our grant making is we've been funding um, as an accelerator for scholarships for uh, the AWRL and for the Foundation for Amateur Radio. And uh, I think last year we gave uh, something like uh, 400000 between the two. And uh, again, are doing, oh, I guess this year, 400000 last year, uh, slightly less than that. Um, but <clears throat> that has allowed um, much more generous scholarships to be offered. Um, and additional scholarships to be offered. Uh, basically, uh, at least in one case, we doubled uh, the budget they had for scholarships, and I foresee us continuing to do that. Uh, we're also funding um, a number of uh, software development projects, uh, including uh, the M17 project uh, through a fiscal uh, sponsor. Uh, we've got some uh, money going into uh, various uh, space and satellite kinds of things, doing some um, next generation uh, kind of satellite equipment development. Um, we've uh, also helped. Uh, we're also very interested in underrepresented uh, and digital divide type things. And we've helped a couple of indigenous uh, communities uh, uh, get some internet, which really helped help with, helped out with the pandemic in place so that uh, kids could go to school and some people could uh, get work done from home. So we're always looking for those kinds of things to do. Um, We've got uh, a project going uh, with the IEEE to, uh, that's focused on getting uh, young people and particularly uh, a, a good percentage of those being uh, female uh, licensed and set up and uh, get them uh, a good foot under them. Uh, we're uh, working with the Open Web RX project, we're uh, we've done a couple of 
tower replacements, uh, so uh, some internet to repeater sites. We've got a uh, a project that we've approved for uh, the state of Oregon to build a microwave backbone network there using uh, HamWAN combined with AREDN and some other technologies to further the reach uh, into the ham community in Oregon. Um, they did an excellent job of putting together uh, a very clear plan of what they wanted to do, and so we were happy to fund that. So, yeah, we got a whole, a whole variety of things that we're working on in that area, and we're always looking for new and interesting things to come out. Um, we have some guidance uh, as to uh, what we're looking for. Uh, people can start at the website ampr.org, slash giving and then there's a couple of pages off of there to help a bit um, we also have a grants manager who is more than happy to help people that are not familiar with writing grants to get their grant put together to put before the committee so that we can uh, review it and uh, hopefully fund it thank you for giving me a long and serious answer to a ridiculous question <laughs> it's not ridiculous though it's a totally, it's a totally valid thing. <laughs> um, maybe, uh, maybe one of these days I'll figure out how to write a grant proposal and then <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Um, actually we're, I'm, I'm setting up, well, I've already set up a, a club called the amateur or the uh, open source amateur radio club. Nice. Already has a call sign and everything and, uh, will probably be incorporated and maybe even 501c3 if I want to go through all that paperwork, which I know is, is hefty. It's hefty. Yeah. It is. Um, but that, that might be something I think about down the road and cool. we'll see where that goes. But, awesome. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Ah, cool. Well, um, we heard we heard from Michelle of the ORI on a recent past episode and how, you know, from her perspective, how um, ARDC integrates with ORI. So maybe you could, uh, like, uh, discuss your involvement with the ORI and what you guys are doing from your perspective. Oh, sure. Well, um, you know, the Open Research Institute is is an amazing organization. It's, you know, as Michelle probably alluded to on her, pro on her not even alluded to, but probably spoke to on the podcast. I mean, it's one of the only <clears throat> it's one of the only organizations of its kind. So, you know, we have a you know, we have a, we have a fairly close relationship with ORI. Um, they are, you know, we've uh, given them a lot of grants, you know, and uh, they have been a really amazing fiscal sponsor for some incredible projects, including the M17 project that John mentioned. Um, so they're great. Um, also, you know, I have to give, uh, you know, Michelle a lot of credit because, you know, uh, you know, ARDC and its grant making capabilities. Uh, I remember talking to somebody about this and they're like, you know, describing that, like, you know, all organizations go through these different phases, like at, you know, some, they start out and they're like a baby and then they're a toddler and they're like trying different things and they get to be a kid and, you know, finally, you know, grow up to one day be something like the MacArthur Foundation. And, you know, I really appreciate um, Michelle and her perspective because, you know, she has been, um, you know, she knows some of our uh, of our board members and she's been, you know, pretty closely aligned with us since, you know, since our baby days. And so she's been really, you know, with us as we grow. And so, you know, I would say that we have a, you know, as a funder to grantee relationship, we have a, 
we have a pretty, you know, pretty close camaraderie uh, as much as you can have with, you know, between two organizations. So, yeah, they're pretty great. All right. Very cool. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, grants and funding and uh, the 44 network and all that kind of thing that mm-hmm. ARDC is really involved in. But the group, your your organization is called Amateur Radio Digital Communications, which yep. makes it sound like there's actually sort of another focus. So maybe you could talk about that. Yeah, totally. And that's a great question and good observation. Good eye. Um, you know, anyone who looks at our at our logo can probably see that there's, you know, AR and then a line and then DC. Um, and that is very on purpose. Like, you know, and that's basically because, you know, amateur radio obviously is a really, um, you know, key part of our of our mission and a part of our focus. Um, and there's another part of it that kind of expands, you know, a little bit beyond that. Um, I would say that, you know, to be totally honest, that part of our mission is, has not been like as well defined. Like ultimately, I think that what we are really interested in is technical innovation when it comes to anything related to digital communications or communications in general, right? Like if you, if you go to our grant making, uh, page, you'll see that we have like three primary, um, areas that we fund. One being support and growth of amateur radio, the second one being education, and then the third one being technical innovation. Um, and technical innovation falls into a few categories and, you know, analog communications being one of them. So within the digital communication component, I think that like, you know, I think one of the things that we're probably the most interested in are like, you know, for example, like mesh network protocols, like how can we do those better? Um, you know, can we, what does it take to really do a mesh network protocol or, or a mesh network that doesn't have any sort of like stable nodes, um, which is, I think is the more common way that we see it happen today. Um, but because that part really relates to more like of the innovative side of things, um, I would say that it's, uh, it's got a lot of room to explore and to be imaginary, right? Um, you know, for example, um, you know, well, I want to give you examples of like potential fund projects that we could fund, but uh, I would then be talking about our potential grantees and I can't quite do that. Um, John, do you have more that you want to say about the digital communication side of thing from your perspective? Yeah. So um, when you combine the amateur radio and digital communications, there's a lot of things that fall into that space. Uh, Obviously we're doing a lot of work uh with uh, digital voice and digital networking uh, we have some unique okay so there are some things that would be in digital communication that uh have high commercial value and so you have big companies spending all kinds of money to put those together there are other areas where we might have a need that they're not meeting uh, to give you an example um when we use the microwave bands to carry traffic for amateur radio, uh, so much of the equipment and the protocols that are out there are going encrypted all over. And at least in the United States, we're not supposed to encrypt uh, uh, traffic to obscure the meaning of the message. And so there's opportunities, particularly with the open source community, mm-hmm. to take a lot of programs and say, okay, we're going to do the same thing and we might do encrypted authentication and authorization uh, because you can do that under the regulations, but the content itself needs to be unencrypted. And so finding uh, those types of projects that we can work on, um, not everything has to be amateur radio 
related, but we'd like to see some kind of a connection between the two on a lot of our grants. Um, we're also doing some things in the open source space uh, to make it um, more uh, reliable, better documented, um, giving uh, some projects an, a, an opportunity to go out there. One of the things that is really interesting about uh, our organization is so many uh, foundations that are out there have to expend a lot of energy on fundraising and some energy on doing grants. Uh, when it comes to that side of our house of giving grants, we just have to worry about doing the grants. Uh, our endowment provides the funds we need to make those grants. And that puts a little different flavor on what we can do sometimes uh, when we're uh, talking to potential grantees. Um, you know, give us what you really want to accomplish and we'll see if we can fit it, which is kind of a different mindset from the way a lot of amateur radio organizations or open source organizations have worked in the past, uh, which is to be as frugal as possible. Uh, and of course, we want to be fiscally responsible, but um, we want people to, to give us their aspirations and dreams and see where and if we can fit into those. Yeah. And I think to add on to what John is saying is that, you know, and everything he's saying is totally right on, is that one of the things that's really unique about us is that we're not afraid to fail, right? Like one of the things that happens with, you know, in, in some organizations, like, you know, if you don't do everything 100% correctly, you might risk getting some kind of future funding, right? Um, and that's not really the case here. Like, if you do an experiment, and that experiment fails, but you learn something from it, that would help you or somebody else to, you know, maybe try that experiment again in a different way that produces a more successful result, like, that's fine. So, you know, we really want to encourage people to, you know, to tinker and try and, you know, and to give it their all. And then what we want to do is really just to be able to, you know, to support that the best that we can. Yeah. And I just want to add on to that. Um, whether you succeed or fail, we want that information to totally. be available to others who are interested. Uh, so one of our principles in grant making is that, um, the projects need to be open source, mm -hmm. uh, open documentation, uh, so that people can learn from it. And shoot, if you tried something that people have been thinking about and you found a barrier, uh, we'd like to know what that barrier is, share it with the community, and then they can go out and maybe try a little different angle at it and have success, and everyone benefits from that. Totally. So I kind of wanted to ask about. I'm trying. I'm trying to follow these notes that Bill put in here, and I'm probably doing a really bad job of it. But not at um, all. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for the pep talk. No problem. So I'm curious about Ampernet. Is ARDC Ampernet? Is it an offshoot of Ampernet? Is it a subset of Ampernet? Is it um, where where does that fit in? And does like the ARDC or Ampernet, are they the same thing? Do they have services of their own other than this grant proposal stuff? Um, is there like part of the organization that people can use in some way uh, that doesn't involve uh, funding and things like that? Maybe you could 
Sure. Well, some some kind of a qu- or answer out of that really. Totally. Long no, I, I see. I see where you're going. And, you know, to be totally honest, it's a little bit confusing. Right. Like, you know, we're called amateur radio digital communications. Um, you know, we and we manage the Ampernet. Our whole URL is a, is ampr.org. It's, it's totally confusing and kills our SEO, which is, you know, a whole other story. Um, but basically, yeah, so ARGC got its start by basically manage, managing the Ampernet. The Ampernet being primarily this address space that was allocated to amateur radio, uh, to connect amateur radio to the internet. So, um, at this, at this stage, like we basically, you know, we, our organization manages that space. Um, and, you know, currently it's really exciting. We have a technical advisory committee. They are putting a ton of work into thinking about how we can, you know, better make use of the space, better allocate it, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so if you are somebody who wants to get an IP address and you want to use it primarily for, you know, amateur packet radio, you can get that for free. Um, you go to ampr.org, you go to our portal and you make a request and, um, you know, there are a series of regional coordinators and, um, uh, and our main system administrator, uh, Chris G1FEF, who will help to allocate it. Um, this is definitely what I think I want to give to, to, to John because, you know, he's been involved in the Ampernet for longer than, you know, I've even known about it. Yeah. I'm the Methuselah here on, on Ampernet. Um, <laughs> So I, I add one thing to what Rosie said there as far as getting addresses. Um, the addresses don't have to be for traditional right. AX.25 packet radio. Um, in fact, um, the largest concentrations of AMP addresses right now are in Europe and specifically Germany. Um, and they've built uh, a microwave network that is using some of that address space uh, for amateur radio type activities, whether it's uh, linking repeaters or providing amateur radio services over. uh, So it kind of becomes the infrastructure for that. And our technical, and there are other areas here in the Western Washington, Seattle area where I am and, and Portland where Rosie is, um, we have similar type of networks being built up. And there are a few in other parts of the country as well, um, also doing this, this approach. And one of the beautiful things about the address space we have is we own it outright as as legacy uh, ARDC owns it and we don't charge people for it so if you need a dozen IP addresses or you know a full 256 or something like that we get it and we don't charge you a lease fee or anything like that for it uh and that's a very valuable asset for people that are building um up applications and we want to continue to do that uh the tech committee um is more internationally represented than the grants committee we'd like them both to be uh, internationally represented we have some uh, international members on the grants committee uh but the uh the tech committee has a, a good international representation so we're seeing uh, a lot of things coming out of that, and we're working on some documents and some um, t- 
technical direction kind of things uh, that I think people are going to be really excited about uh, once they're baked and we can share them with everybody. Does that help to answer the question? Uh, I think it answered the question just fine, yes. Excellent. Speaking to that, though, so how how did it come to be that amateur radio, quote-unquote, wound up with a slash eight? I mean... <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's unfathomable to think of even, uh, requesting something, an IPv4 block addresses so large at this point. But, uh, how, how was it that Ampernet got that? Well, it, it's, it's that old thing. The first in folks kind of get an advantage. And, uh, Hank Magnuski, uh, who, uh, serves on the grants committee now, uh, was the one who um, made the contacts and got the allocation of the slash eight, as you say, um, 30 some odd years ago. And then we've just held on to that and managed it since then. Uh, and with ARDC, one of the problems we had was that um, you needed to have an owner of an address space and it was passed down through a couple of individuals until it finally got to Brian uh, Cantor. And Brian saw the wisdom of having that ownership transferred to uh, a nonprofit organization in case the unimaginable happened and the person who was the, uh, quote, owner ad of the address space uh, was to pass away. And it was very fortuitous that he did that because unfortunately he, that happened to him. Uh, and so we have an organization to carry it forward. But to your point, basically the slash eight is because we were early before people knew what the internet really was. <laughs> right. Before the value became apparent. <laughs> right. Right. Just maybe one quick technical question for my own personal benefit. Like, um, a lot of address space is managed by certain organizations like Aaron and Ripe and so on like that. So is, is, uh, Ampernet the group that does the allocation for 44? Is that how that works? So net 44, as we like to call it, um, is a legacy allocation that predates Aaron. Um, uh, and so we currently are independent and, you know, we'll see what the future holds. Um, but we're very definite about keeping that uh, independence and control going from an operational point of view. All right. Very cool. And just as a totally irrelevant side note, my my company actually has two slash 24s pre-Aaron that we also own. It's a right. much, much, much smaller address space but they are ours <laughs> yeah i personally have a slash 24 um which i actually host to a data center and then i vpn it out to where i need the addresses oh there you go <laughs> so uh i know some of the things that uh some of the things about the allocation that was sold off you can talk about and some things you can't um but my first question would be was it was it a decision to set up this sort of grant organization to allow the funding? Was that the reason it was sold off or was there some other motivating factor? Yes, that was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, easy peasy. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and I know you can't talk about who and, and how much and all that, but it is now public information. I look it up myself. So anybody who wants to know how, how that happened and how much it was worth, they can do it. It's all public information because you guys are a 501c3. So you have to publish all that information. We uh, obviously won't talk about that now. Appreciate that very, very, very much. <laughs> but the information is out there for anybody who wants to look it up. Yeah. If you're really interested, you can find it, but yeah. we're not at liberty to talk about the detail. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Bill has a list of grants here, I think, that you guys have given out in the organizations that they were for and mm-hmm. kind of what they were for. And there are a lot of them. You are, you are definitely supporting a lot of great organizations and great projects. Um, I don't think we need to go through all of these, honestly. Um, but that's that's actually literally down to the end of the note. So now is where we're going to have to have you guys fill in some blanks. So if there's if there's something about the organization or the grant process or uh, information you want to give out about uh, Ampernet and the address space or anything else that I didn't touch on, this is kind of the place to put it because hmm. I'm, I'm sort of out of questions. <laughs> well, it's certainly not completely up to date, but anybody that wanted to go out and look at that list, it's at amper.org slash grants and uh, we show how much money we've given uh, each of the grantees and uh, try to provide a synopsis of what uh, what the grant was for. Let me let me ask quickly about M17 um, because because the grant you gave that project is um, let's just say significant. Is that is that because like you saw some extreme value or the grant proposal had just had enough information in it that they sort of required that kind of funding or what was the sort of uh, basis behind behind that uh, significant grant to that organization. I love M17. I love where it's going. I love what they're doing, and I'm actually using it. I have my own reflector and everything already, so uh, I love the project. But why was uh, ARDC so interested, I guess, in that particular one? Uh, the M17 grant? Yeah. Um, they had a, a, a really well-written presentation on what they wanted to do and how much they needed to do it and what they would spend it on. And uh, it was actually a pretty easy one for us to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It fell into uh, several of our uh, granting categories that we'd want, and we were just tickled pink that they came to us and said, can you help us out a little bit? Yeah, I agree. And I think that that actually speaks to something else that I might be maybe is unique about us. But, you know, in general, we want to, you know, well, one M17 had already done a lot of really great work that really spoke for itself, right? It wasn't like they were like, hey, we have this idea. We've never done anything like this before. Give us, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. You know, Um, they had a track record that really spoke for itself. Um, But, you know, that aside, I think that one of the things that we really try to do is, you know, if somebody says, hey, I need this number of dollars to do, you know, X or Y project, you know, if it's a good project, we're going to give you what you need, right? We don't want to like just, you know, give out more money than we need to. Like John says, we need to be fiscally responsible, but like we understand that these things cost money. And, you know, 
along those lines, I think that, you know, and I, I, this is a place where I personally feel very passionate. And I, I think that, you know, many of in our, in our board and our grants advisory committee agree, um, you know, open source is one of the, you know, it, it, it's such an important part of our digital ecosystem. And, you know, and, you know, John has heard me talk about this a million times, but like, I, I love open source software. And sometimes I get so frustrated with using it because, you know, it's buggy or, you know, there's, there's some piece of it that's just like really difficult to use. And I also have so much compassion because I know that the reason, but behind that is because people are doing this in their, in their, in their off hours and their spare time. There's not really a lot of investment that goes into supporting open source software. So, you know, as much as it frustrates me, I have a lot of compassion. So, you know, for us, like if we're supporting open source software, like we want to support open source software, right? Like, you know, we we're happy to help, you know, support paying people to do this work, you know, especially if they're quality people. So um, in the case of M17, that was all just really clear. Um, so it was, yeah, like John says, it was like, it was a no brainer to, um, to give them what they asked for. All right. We, I mean, we have had the folks from M17 on here and they've talked about their project and I'm kind of guessing, I, I don't know if you can, I don't want to like dive into their grant proposal or anything like that, but sure. I'm guessing that a lot of, a lot of their grant focused on hardware. Cause I think that's what they're really mm-hmm. trying to get up. They've, they've, they've worked with the DSPs and existing hardware taking off of like, uh, the GD77 and OpenRTX and all that kind of stuff. And they've got a lot of the software side of it working, but I think hardware is where they're kind of focused. And that's probably why the grant proposal was so large, I guess. Cause they, yeah. Yeah. So if particularly if you're developing hardware and the same is true for software, but particularly for hardware, um, the equipment to properly test it <laughs> is not cheap. And uh, if you want to do something quality, which the M17 folks want to do, um, there needs to be funds to to fund that. You know, some guys have a, a pretty good lab at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know a guy down lives near Rosie that can work on anything up to something like 36 gigahertz just with the lab equipment that he has in-house, right? Uh, he's worked at a lot of places, and um, he, he hasn't put in a, a grant request, but he's a friend of mine, so I, I know what he's done there. Um, he can uh, he can do that just with the equipment he has. But a lot of folks, they have the smarts, and, and this friend of mine, you know, he's worked for companies and been able to buy off of in-house surplus and stuff like that. Um they they know what to do. They know how to run the equipment. Uh, they um, have all the skills that are necessary. Uh, but if they just had that piece of equipment, it'd help them. Uh, we have a, a another one that's uh, not on the list. I don't think yet, but we have granted it. Um, it's uh, some equipment to help. Oh no, it is there. Uh, um, it's some uh, locating equipment for RFI, uh, particularly um, in the L.A. Basin area. They have some really big problems with um, the power company not following up on interference reports. So you have to provide them documentation. So we helped them. Uh, they bought some equipment themselves, and we helped them buy some additional equipment that will help them provide good documentation of what they're discovering the power company has the legal responsibility to fix it, but they're not 
necessarily going out and getting the documentation they need themselves. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. I, I think Bill is here. Bill, are you, are you actually here? Can you, can you speak? Yes, I'm, I'm finally here. It's crazy, but I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying the conversation. All right. Did, is I, I tried to go down through the notes as you pushed them out there, and I don't know if I covered everything, but was there was there anything that you can think of uh, in the notes that you had that I haven't touched on? No, not so far as much as I have heard. It uh, sounds like you've covered all the bases. All right, good. Um, I know Darren in the chat here had a question, but he was talking about mesh networks, and I'm not sure he was not sure his question was related to what we're talking about, but I'm going to ask him to maybe rephrase or <laughs> see if that question is still valid. And if it is, I will, I will present it to all of you. Uh, but in the meantime, let's see, was there anything else about uh, Ampernet or ARDC or anything else that we haven't touched on? Or maybe you can tell everybody, I, I know we've touched on some of the places they can go, but at least uh, maybe do a little clearing house of where they can find information about the various parts of uh, ARDC, like what it does uh, where the FAQ might be, if there are like GitHub projects, um, maybe uh, like I know you mentioned the grant link before, but just uh, kind of wrap up all of that stuff where people can go find out all the information they need to about ARDC. Yeah, we can totally do that. And actually, I just I realized that we haven't really heard from Dan. Dan, do you want to rattle off some URLs, Dan? <laughs> Remember to unmute, put the pants on, then oh, talk about. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing a skirt today. Every time you say that, you're they're like, who's not wearing pants? I'm like, well, I'm not, but I am fully clothed. So, um, all right. Well, since I haven't heard from Dan, I'll go ahead and do it. So we have um, our, you know, our, our main website is www.ampr.org. Um, that's the main place to go. And uh, I'm excited to say that we're in the process of redoing the website. So um, hooray, hooray. If you want to uh, find out about our grants, go to am. You can go to ampr.org slash giving, um, and that gives you really some of the high-level information about, uh, you know, our grant-making categories, um, links to our awards, eligibility, all of that kind of stuff. Um, if you want to just sort of like see, you know, what's going on, and oh, I can't wait to redo our blog, um, but news and updates is, is our blog. We post RFPs there. Um, you know, we have some, you know, we actually need to do a blog post announcing uh, that Dan has joined our team, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, uh, ampr.org. Uh, if you go, actually, it's portal.ampr.org. For anyone who's interested in the Ampernet or for getting um, uh, IP address space, that's the place that you want to go. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if you have any, you know, questions uh, about anything related to grants, um, send us an email to giving at ampr.org. Um, and uh, Chelsea, our new grants manager, who is wonderful, will um, gladly help you with any questions that you have. So, what about any social media, anything like that? Discord servers, IRC, anything like that? Or... Not yet. Although uh, this is, if Dan actually is able to connect, um, Dan, I think just set up our Twitter account, which is exciting. Dan. Well, he unmuted. That's that's a start. That's a start. <laughs> He wants to talk. I he know. Wants I can to feel talk. it. I can feel oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think that the technology is being kind to him today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So we don't have any social media presence yet, but we are. That's actually one of the things I'm really excited for Dan to be working on is for us to finally do that. 
Um, yeah, so we'll primarily be on Twitter um, because we, you know, are very much into open source. We probably won't be on Discord immediately, um, but, you know, nothing says we'll, we'll never be there. So, yeah, we, we uh, do have a list serve uh, where a lot right. of traffic goes by um, and you can find out about that uh, through our site. And um, I just really want people to know that we're really looking for them, them to reach out to us. We're trying to reach out to them as well. Um, but we want to hear your ideas. And totally. you don't have to have a fully baked grant. You can you can send us an email uh, or contact us some other way and say, hey, here's an idea I have. Would it be worth writing a grant proposal? Or you could even go a step further. I've got the idea. I think it's grant worthy, but I need some help on how I put that together. And we're more than happy to uh, both Chelsea and Dan uh, help people uh, put that text together to go in the grant request. All right. That sounds great. Um, I, I love what you guys are doing. I love how sort of how it came about. And uh, it's it's been, a, I know it was a great windfall for the fact that the IPv4 space has become so uh, such a commodity that, mm-hmm. it, that it enabled um, this organ your organization to to be able to support all of these great projects. I mean, uh, that's that's really uh, a wonderful thing, and I'm glad you're partnering. Well, I don't know about partnering is the right word, but uh, at least uh, engaged with uh, like the Open Research Institute and all the other places yeah. that are that are finding all of these great projects and uh, and getting them out there and getting them funded. And, and getting them what they need to do all these great things. Um, so it's, it's really cool. And uh, unless you have anything else to wrap up and unless Dan can say anything. <laughs> I just got a note from Dan. He says that his mumble just decided to quit working and he's reloaded and everything, but it's not, it's, but no dice. Oh, uh, that's so unfortunate. Maybe he, maybe he needs to write a, a, a quick guide to mumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I think he's looking at all the guys right now and it's not working. So, yeah, perhaps <laughs> perhaps we'll add that to his ever-lengthening list. Uh, yeah, I, I would just add that, that uh, as Rosie said, we've given away several million dollars so far. And um, we're, we've got our endowment set up, so we'll have funds for years to come. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, we don't want to run down the endowment, but it is sufficient that we can do a lot of good things. They don't all have to be $1.6 million radome saves. Uh, but those are fun. Just saying. Th- those are fun. We like those. We like those. Uh, but, uh, you know, anything down to a few thousand dollars to mm, put together a satellite ISS contact station for school. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of things that can be done and we'd love to help out with that. Totally. Yeah. So does, uh, so does being open source, um, sort of tick an extra box for you guys or, um, does it really matter? It's a qualification. Yeah. At this time it's a qualification. Um, yeah. Okay. So not only does it tick a box, it's a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that that is even better. I like I like that. Yeah. In fact, we've had to um, 
modify some grant requests mm -hmm. or reject some grant requests because the uh, presenter couldn't get to a open source position. This is kind of an esoteric question, but do you care about the open source? Does it have to be copy left open source or does it just have to be open source? Because you know if something is MIT licensed, it can wind up being closed sourced eventually. Right. I would say that the, the, the definition that we often give is that we, we really prefer, you know, um, op is it open source institute Initi initiative? We, we, we prefer the OSI licenses. So, you know, that's where, um, you know, that, that those are the licenses that we really prefer. Um, I don't think that we would necessarily reject something outright if it had a different type of license, you know, but I think about this, you know, the way I think about this is to, you know, um, the way I put it is like, we need to be as open as possible, right? Like we give away scholarships. I'm not going to require that every single scholarship recipient take every bit of their schoolwork and make it open source, right? You know, like, so there's like some, you know, as with all rules, there are like some limitations, but, um, but yeah, in general, I would say that we'd prefer an OSI license, um, but, um, or an OSI approved license. But if there's a different one that someone really needs to work with for some reason, then you can talk to us. All right. Cool. I like, I like where that goes, actually. <laughs> cool. Um, so I think we've gotten down through it. I think you threw out all the information when we said, you know, is there anything else we need to talk about? So I, I don't know that there's anything else. Uh, I did not see any follow-up questions in the chat room. So I think everybody's kind of settled there. Cool. So that means I think we're kind of done. <laughs> Great. Cool. Well, this has been a real pleasure. And I, you know, I really appreciate you helping us to spread the word because, you know, not a whole lot of people know that we exist. We're, I think that that's changing slowly, but surely. But, you know, the more people that know about us, the more people, you know, we might be able to help. Yep. Well, and we're looking to hear about all the great projects you decide to give grants to and all the ones you uh, want to tell us about when uh, hopefully you come back on the show maybe in a year or two and tell us uh, all the great things that ARDC is doing. We'd love that. And we would love to have you. So uh, I don't think Dan can sort of sign off for himself because uh, he's having mumblish. Oh, well, he's going to try. I Actually, I'm, can you hear me now? Yes. Yay! 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 Just in time. <laughs> Just in time and, to say goodbye. And, and the ir irony is they hired me to do communications for them, right? Right. I know, right? <laughs> but uh, all I want to say is I, I just want to um, uh, impart the the idea of how exciting this thing really is. Mm. You know, I, I, you know, all these grants, yeah, all this stuff's cool. And, but I think Michelle <laughs> hit it right when she said in the, one of the previous episodes, this could be a real game changer. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, that's why I joined, joined ARDC or sort of conned them into get, let me join them. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you, you volunteered and then we were like, we must hire him. He must, he must be one of us. <laughs> because, because that, that, you know, it's all about, communication at this point mm -hmm. and 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 uh, like she said thanks for letting us on the show and uh and uh certainly I th i'm sure we'll be glad to come back well thank you for being here and in a weird bit of serendipity now that you've come back the echo is gone <laughs> that is cruel that is well, you super know, unfair you know you know what happened i i was fooling around with the uh controls and i think that froze the microphone somehow but i think i finally got the controls right 
All right. We'll see. So we're ready to come back next year. That's so right. don't change any settings on <laughs> any of your machines. I'm not going to touch it. Okay. And, and don't do a don't do a OS upgrade or anything in between. Yep. Nope. None <laughs> of that. We'll have none of it. Wrap that computer in bubble wrap, and we'll pull it back out for the next. Time. Precisely. That's okay. We'll be using a completely different software by the next time. So. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So thanks, Dan, for coming on and finally getting in there at the end. That's that's fantastic. And thank you, John, K7VE, for being here as well. Thank you. Thanks, John. I'm going to have to actually go back real quick and look up your call sign because you don't have an easy one. Uh, but thank you, Rosie KJ7RYV, for being yeah, here. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so KJ7RYV, that, that sounds kind of recent. It's very recent. Yeah. I, I mean, I was not a ham when I came into this job, um, but uh, definitely wanted to to become one. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I know that some people are like, oh man, I don't really like call sign. I love my call sign. It like reminds me of Rosie the Riveter. It's, it's great. So <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely a newbie and um, still learning every single day. Yeah. But don't undersell that Rosie, because um, you come from a family with other hams in it. Totally. It's true. Yeah, that was actually one of the greatest things that has happened because of this is um, my grandpa is a ham. Um, and, you know, it, it, he was so excited when he found out that I was a ham, that I was doing this job. I went up to Vermont to go see him last year. I kind of was like, I, I kind of broke the quarantine rules, but I'm like, I'm going to see grandpa. You can't stop me. I'll be six feet away from him. I don't care. Um, but uh, he ended up giving me his... Um, his Morse tapper and his, uh, his radio that he had pulled out of his boat. All of these, like, I mean, I, they're kind of out of date now, but like all of these old, like, you know, a books about satellites. It was great. So, um, it's, it's cre- created this really wonderful connection with one of my favorite humans on the entire planet. So it's, it's, it's been a real treat. And the radio, he radio, he gave her is older, but modern. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, are you from there? Are you a New Englander? No, I'm from, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm initially from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and, uh, I now live in Portland, Oregon. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. You said he lives in Vermont. So I was like, I was going to go, oh, yes, another New Englander. So. No, no, I love Vermont though. No, my, my grandpa, my family has lived in, uh, in Vermont for gosh, close to a hundred years. So yeah, I've got, there's, uh, I, I don't have my personal roots there, but my family has roots there for sure. Oh, well, very good. Yeah, it's cool. All right, so I'm going to let Bill come on here real quick um, since he's still here and see if he has anything else uh, before we go ahead and wrap this up. No, I think I'm I'm actually good. I feel like I feel like Dan somewhat uh, technology has not been very kind to me <laughs> this evening. So, uh, so I'm glad everybody could make it, and I'm so happy we could uh, could have this conversation. Yep, same. Yep. All right. Well, yes. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for talking to us about ARDC and all the great things you're doing. Uh, it was wonderful to talk to you, and I really hope you come back soon. But with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. This has been episode number 418 of Linux in the Hamshack, our deep dive into amateur radio digital communications. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And thanks, everybody, who is with us live in the chat tonight. We had Don, KC9ZMY, Ted, WA0EIR, Steve, K7HVT, Darren, VK6EK, Tony, K4XSS, and Fred, N2NRV. Really appreciate all you guys uh, listening to us live and uh, sort of keeping us entertained while we talk to our guests. And uh, we hope you'll come back for the very next episode. We appreciate you all being here. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>